1: Good afternoon and welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Tani Levitt, and we have a bit of a quick hitter for you today. There aren't too many actual sports news stories going on, but recruiting and the silly season of transfers has continued unabated as the rest of the sports world has gone on hiatus. So today, I wanted to talk about one particular graduate transfer whose recruitment for his final year of eligibility began as a patient, thought-out process, but by the end, became a whirlwind that even our team experts had trouble keeping up with. But before we get there, we're making a push here at 24-7 Sports Podcasts to collect ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts for all of our shows. So if you like what you're hearing, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. And use that review to let me know what topics you want to hear about. Our friends on Barton and Bud and the College Football Daily have gotten some really great listener suggestions, and it would be awesome if we could do that here as well. And also, I'd like to welcome back anybody who is listening from an embed in an article on 247sports.com. The embeds are back, and it's great to have you. But do yourself a favor and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. I'd suggest Apple Podcasts. That's the best and most reliable way to get all your 24-7 sports podcasts as soon as they go live. On to the meat. Today, we're going to talk about Columbia graduate transfer Patrick Tepe, who, spoiler alert, will spend his final year of eligibility studying business and playing basketball at Duke. Tappé is a 6'10 center who averaged 11-6 and 6 in his junior year at Columbia. He even shot 100% from three. One for one, but the numbers don't lie. 100%. Patrick Tappé was always going to be among the better big men in the transfer market this spring. Graduate transfers are commonplace now, but it's worth remembering that the NCAA only began granting immediate eligibility to graduate transfers this past decade and the Ivy League never quite bought in. If you graduate early at a school in any other Division I conference, you could elect to stay at your undergraduate university and finish your eligibility there. But the Ivy League doesn't allow graduate students to play on their athletics teams, so players like Patrick have to explore options elsewhere. And so turning our attention to Tape's new destination, I think the fit is fairly straightforward. You know, he wanted to play, and Columbia didn't offer that. And from Duke's side, they graduated Jack White and Javin Delorier. And freshman of the year, Vernon Carey is almost certain to go pro. He's projected in the first round of most NBA mock drafts. So Duke definitely needed to add some bulk to their front court. Now, they do have the number two recruiting class in the country this year including five-star center Mark Williams. But until our guy Patrick Tape transferred in, Williams was the only real center on the roster. So Duke needed Tape to step in at the five, not to mention to have someone to guard Williams during practice. But here's where it gets interesting. On March 24th, Patrick Tape commits to Duke. Then, last Thursday, he decommits from Duke and stepped back into the transfer portal. And then, on Sunday, he recommitted to Duke and everyone lost their mind. Here's our expert, Evan Daniels. In a wild turn of events, Patrick DePay opted to recommit to Duke late Sunday night. This decision comes uh, after he committed on March 24th. And then April 2nd, this past Thursday, he reached out to Duke and said he thought he rushed the process. He needed to sit back and rethink this thing. Uh, So he did that. And sources told 24-7 Sports uh, that when Topay reopened that process, he strongly considered Syracuse and he strongly considered Georgetown. There was even one point over the weekend uh, that I believe that he was set to commit to Syracuse. He stepped back again, and then on Sunday, he called Duke and asked uh, if he could recommit to them. They said yes, and then that news became official Sunday evening. So uh, Patrick Pay is back to Duke. Why did Patrick choose Duke in the first place? Well, I think we all know that it was a good basketball fit. But why did he decommit? Why did he recommit? These are questions I can't answer, so I called up 24-7 Sports Duke reporter Adam Rowe, who interviewed Patrick Tappé after his recommitment to Duke. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Adam. All right, so now I'm happy to welcome Adam Rowe to the show for the first time. Adam, how you doing?
0: Great, great. hope you are.
1: Yeah, I mean, all things considered, can't complain. Uh, Adam covers the Duke Blue Devils for 24-7 sports over at the Devil's Den, and I needed to bring him in to help me understand the bizarre transfer saga surrounding Columbia graduate transfer Patrick Tepe. So, Adam, let's start here. Tappé is just the fifth player to transfer to Duke in Coach K's 40 years in Durham, and the first since Seth Curry over a decade ago. What is it about Patrick that makes Duke look in his direction?
0: Yeah, it's pretty wild, and he's actually the first graduate transfer that Duke has ever had. Uh, Coach K has, has traditionally stayed away from bringing in graduate transfers who are eligible immediately, but... Um, the the program saw a need in the post um, next season. They're losing um, Javin Delorier. They're losing Jack White. And Vernon Carey has not yet declared for the NBA, but he's expected to. So they really only had uh, for incoming freshman Mark Williams as a true center on the roster next year. So um, I think Coach K and the, and the staff just, just realized that they had a need down low. If, if for nothing else, somebody for Mark Williams to – practice against to get better to learn you know the ins and outs of the college college basketball level from um in preparation for uh, hopefully the, the the season um and in 2020-21 but we'll see we'll see if that's still going to happen or if there'll be a truncated version of it um in the coming months
1: uh uh-huh. And I was looking at the the stats uh, from Duke at the end of the season. Between Vernon Carey and Javin Deloria, they played like 70% of Duke's minutes at center. Do you imagine anybody other than Tepe or Williams playing at the center next year?
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Coach K likes to go small. Those were the only two centers on last year's team. Um, and still 30% of the minutes were played without one of those guys on the floor. So that tells you that, that Coach K is you know, willing so roll out a smaller lineup. It it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me to see a guy like Matthew Hurt, who's six nine six ten, if he can add some some strength, um, and some upper body bulk um, to play down low. Potentially a guy like Henry Coleman, who's coming in at 6'8", 240 pounds. I mean that's what he was in high school at. I know I'm packing on the pounds in this in this shutdown, so <laughs> he may be a little bit bigger than that when he gets into school this fall. Um, and, in, you know, that, that, that death lineup at, towards the end of games where they're just trying to, you know, get as many points on the board as possible. So, it, it, there's going to be some other guys down there, but, but they're going to rely mostly on Williams and Tepe for sure.
1: All right. So, so for sure, there was a, a fit from both sides. Uh, and in the days leading up to Tapay's initial commitment, did you feel that this was like any different from graduate transfers you had seen in the past? You know, obviously not at Duke, but just in general in college basketball.
0: Well, he's a little bit unusual because he sat out all of last season um, to preserve his, his final year of college eligibility. Uh, so he was pretty, he was really deliberate in the process and took his time, took, you know, developed relationships with coaching staff and went on, actually went on official visits. One of his visits was to Syracuse when Duke was playing up there. Um, and he developed a really long standing relationship with them. Chris Carwell, the assistant at Duke, reached out to Pepe on, I think, the 17th of March. And three days later, he committed to Duke. I mean, it was just a rapid response. So it wasn't surprising really that he had some second thoughts. The surprising thing was that he committed so quickly without being able to visit the school and, um, you know, develop that in person relationship with everything. But he grew up around Charlotte, North Carolina, which is about two hours west, southwest of Durham. He's intimately familiar with Duke just from watching them on TV. And it's funny, he actually told us at the Devils then that his family, uh, are all UNC fans. His sister and his parents all graduated from UNC. So I think there was a little bit of, you know, apprehension as to whether or not he made the right decision, um, which is why you saw the decommitment. Um but eventually after a couple couple of days of thinking about it, he 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 changed his mind. So definitely not a typical transfer situation, but Seems like it worked out
1: for both parties in the end. So, like, I'm curious, if, if, if he took Tepe, if he took all year to carefully work through this thought process, like, how is it that Duke got in so quickly for that initial commitment and then an eventually recommit? And like, how, how did they kind of subvert that whole year long thought out process? I mean, this guy, you know, he's an Ivy League graduate. Clearly, he spent the time thinking.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a sixty-four thousand dollar question, right? It's it's it, Duke is known for incredible closing speed on the on the recruiting trail. This is this is definitely the fastest I've seen them kind of uh, zero in on a prospect and get a commitment so quickly. I, I think everybody's kind of living in these you know uncertain times and trying to make sense of everything. I, I thought probably had something to do with his 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 decision to jump on the opportunity so quickly, but. He also, you know, like you said, he's an Ivy League graduate. I mean he's he's looking for that combination of academics and athletics on the college basketball uh landscape and I mean it's it's hard to argue with that that any other program offers, you know, the excellence that Duke offers in both of those avenues together. Um his family's close close by, so give them an opportunity to see him play. Um I mean, it all, it all kind of makes sense. I mean, the one piece that was kind of missing was that he, he, his, the field that he wants to get into is, is um, affordable housing and urban planning, and Duke doesn't specifically offer that, that master's degree. Um, and I think from talking to him, that was one of the original kind of things that drew him back from his commitment. Um, but Duke presented a different opportunity for him to go into a, a master's of management, I think it is, from, from the Fuqua School of Business. Lay the foundation for his career moving forward, and then he can specialize in in, in that urban planning field after he gets out of uh, Fuqua.
1: Uh-huh. So, so take me inside the the moment between the decommitment and recommitment, which is a phrase I feel like I've stolen from some character on like or a real person on Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, <laughs> did did Duke change their pitch beyond the master's degree, or did Patrick like? Did he really just need a couple more days to think on it with his family?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not privy to those those specific discussions that went on. All I know is that if Duke makes a scholarship offer to somebody, even though this is somewhat of a whirlwind, you know, unusual experience, that they've done their vetting and they know the prospect. They know they want them as part of their family. Mm -hmm. They weren't going to offer a scholarship and then pull it back within a week. So as far as I know, talking to the program, they stay consistent with their messaging. They stay consistent that – Duke was the best opportunity in the end. Um, other coaches, from what I understand, kind of got in his ear, made him rethink things. But, but Duke's messaging stayed consistent, and they still reiterated that they wanted him, you know, no matter what.
1: Okay. So, you know, all, all things told, he's now a member of the Duke Blue Devils. And I know you were able to speak with Patrick for 247sports.com. Everyone should check that out. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. But did Patrick say anything to you about the role he expects to play for the Blue Devils next year? Or is it just kind of the same stuff we talked about at the top, where we expect him to get a good uh, chunk of the minutes at center?
0: Yeah, they. I mean, I think Coach is not just looking at him as a... Uh you know, as a, as a center, a player, but, but Duke only has one senior on the roster next year and Jordan Goldwire. So I think they're really looking at him to provide some leadership both in the locker room and on the court. Um, you know, you know, they're, they're going to rely on a, the, his exact words were um, to me was coach Carroll said they had a need at center and they thought I could provide an interior presence for them. So I mean on the court that's what they're gonna that's what they're they're expecting from him and he, he kind of self scouted his game by saying that I think I'm a versatile defender that's pretty good in ball screens and I have good toughness around the rim. I'm looking to expand my game to the perimeter. Um so yeah, I mean they're they're just they're they're really relying on him to provide interior depth as well as, you know, that that senior level or fifth year level experience on and off the court.
1: Uh, and, and who do you think stands to benefit the most from having him on, on the roster? I know you mentioned Mark Williams at the top, but you know I, I'm thinking about Hurt, a guy who maybe on the defensive end has a, a good amount to learn still. Uh, so I'm curious, what are your thoughts about who stands to benefit the most from having Patrick to pay on the roster?
0: Yeah, I mean, probably Mark, Mark Williams. I mean, you saw Vernon Carey come in and win national freshman of the year and he only played like 20 25 minutes a game and the only reason he was able to do that is because javin Delorier was on the roster um so i think that, that they're gonna they're gonna use a similar strategy with mark williams next year um and williams is in practice too i mean today is, is, is gonna do nothing but make him make him a better player. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially if he can contribute in, in ball screens out high, you know, Duke loves to run that horn set where they get their where they give their shooters and, and slashers a little bit of space that can they can penetrate to the rim. Um and if he's a if he's an effective screener that's gonna make all all of the slashers and scorers
1: that much better off the ball. Mm-hmm. All right, Adam, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show, and I want to be uh, careful with your time. So I've got just one more question for you. Um, Coach K is like a top two recruiter in the one and done era, along with uh, John Kyle Perry over at Kentucky. And I wonder if this dragged out saga combined with Coach K's past reluctance to recruit transfers will result in Coach K never recruiting a transfer again. So here's my question for you. Over under zero point five transfers to Duke in the duration of Coach K's tenure in Durham. What say you?
0: Mm. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say over. Really, it's t- it's a tough call because I think they're building their roster for when the one and done rule is over. Um, so that they can have more long-term players on the roster so that they can have roster continuity like they haven't had during the one-and-done era. But I think this coronavirus pandemic is going to push that one-and-done era out maybe a couple more years. And I think that you're going to see a big roster upheaval after this coming season where they're going to have to go back out in the transfer market um, and, and get some guys with immediate eligibility.
1: Okay. Admiral Covers, the Duke Blue Devils for 24-7 Sports at the Devil's Den. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. That's going to do it for today's episode of the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. Big shout-out to Adam for joining us today, and big shout-out to all you guys listening from the embeds. It's great to have you back. I've already seen a significant bump in the numbers, so I know you're hearing this. And if you, whether you're listening on the embed or an Apple podcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts, if you have any topics you want to hear us cover on the show, tell us in an Apple Podcast ratings and review. As my buddy Joey says, five stars and kind words are all we ask for. Until next time, I'm your host, Tani Levitt, and this is the 24 7 Sports College Basketball Show.